Hello, everyone. Welcome to Touch Podcast. I am Shannon Etheridge. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Nathan Navarro. We're jumping back into the conversation about toxic masculinity with Nate's interview with Thomas Jaggers from our last episode. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it now. Here, we're going to be talking about where some of our misplaced suspicion about other religious traditions and our negative views of sex come from. And you may notice I continue to have some difficulties with my mic on this recording, but do not worry. As you can hear right now, they have been solved. So thanks for bearing with us. But what we're hearing from both of these architectures is how to hold something that's untamed and wild and unscripted. And, and that's like that thing that you're talking about, that us men, we've been so trained to fear it and to hear it spoken in this way um, with permission and possibility. Oof. Mm-hmm. things. When it's extremely timely, too, particularly when you all start talking about toxic masculinity and how that, how that um, comes from you know, men trying to one-up each other and sort of trying to like out testosterone each other um, and how, and how he works with men to sort of de, you know, deconstruct that, that, that was very helpful for me. I mean, it's easy to see that, right. That we're, you know, we're like the roosters, you know, like strutting our stuff and pecking at each other. And I've got chicken hockey. That's, my, that's an easy image for me, you know, you know, literally talking it about, right. You guys need to see this part on the videos because we're doing these thick and bobbing things. Looking it out. <laughs> so I want to interject a question, and I don't want to distract us from the topic at hand, which is male, you know, masculine, the the sexual male, and all that. But I know that there are probably some Christians who might start listening to this, and as soon as they pick up on the Eastern part of it, the Taoist part of it, whatever, like they just immediately shut it down for the same reason that a lot of women won't do yoga because, oh, oh no, that, that's Hindu, and that's it. And it's like, wait a minute. Why can't we look at certain traditions and just chew up the meat and spit out what, can, what feels like bones to us? Why can't we celebrate what's holy and lovely and true about Western religion and Eastern religion and mysticism and, you know, and, and yeah, when we're, when we're talking about sexuality, I do feel as if it really helps to look at other mindsets, other eras, other cultures to help us understand human sexuality through other lenses besides just our own modern day extreme Western ultra conservative mindset. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could tell what still scares me like this. This is what still comes up is I still get the emotional feeling that there's a darkness in another worldview that's going to weasel it into my cracks and then invade me from the inside out, just like agent Smith and Neo and matrix reloaded. <laughs> so um, I, I'm afraid of a pollutant that's nefarious that would go in and and sometimes that fear is still there but 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 that's distinctly what that fear feels like and i I can't really say it's afraid of a politics or it's afraid of another religion but it's afraid of being invaded and taken over unwillingly i think that we all should have that healthy fear i I think it's kind of like fear of a hot stove there's a good reason for us to be afraid of a hot stove because it can burn us but it can also cook our food 
You know, like if oh. we can't throw the hot stove out in the driveway for the dump truck to pick up because it serves a purpose. So we have to realize that these things that are scary to us are also very useful to us if we don't overreact and let fear totally drive us away from what good could be cultivated out of the conversations. So I hope that Christians will, you know, seriously consider this message. So one of the reasons that this is so intriguing to me is that not too long ago, I was speaking at a larger church to the women about allowing our sexual thoughts to create sexual energy and interest that we would want to connect with our husbands and to stop feeling as if every thought that goes through your head that has any resemblance of, of sex in it is dirty, rotten, shameful, forbidden, because so many women do think that they should only be thinking about, um, you know, uh, scriptures or what needs to be done in the house or uh, the grocery list or the PTA meeting agenda or whatever. Like they won't let themselves just get into a healthy sexual frame of mind so that their body can warm up and be interested. Well, I found it so fascinating after that talk. So many women approached me asking, are you going to be speaking to the men of our church? And I was like confused and bewildered as to, uh, no, I mean, the first couple times it was asked, it wasn't a big deal. But when I was getting this question for like the seventh and eighth and 15th time before I left that night, it was like, what is going on? And so I brought it up with the leader of, um, you know, why is it that these women are seem to be clamoring for their husbands to hear the same message? And she said, I think probably because the only thing that's ever spoken about male sexuality is simply don't look at porn. Don't look at porn. Yeah. That, that's, that's the extent of it. Wow. And it's like, Oh my gosh, there's that, that's, yeah. that's such a limited piece of the pie that yeah. there's, there's a much larger pie out there that men need to understand how to woo their wives and pursue their wives and how to get rid of the guilt and shame themselves. And I just think that this conversation really illustrates how much more there is to be said than just don't look at porn when you're talking about educating men about male sexuality. Yeah. That's a really good point. I didn't look at it at that angle. Yeah. You know, is, I, has that been y'all's experience in churches is that that yeah. seems to be the only thing they know how to say? Yeah. It's like, I, I need cards or something like what yeah. I'm baffled. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. In, I would say in conservative churches, it has been my experience that, the conversation is about, you know, don't cheat on your wife and don't look at porn. And in progressive churches, it is a conversation completely about justice, right? It's a justice conversation around sex, sexual justice, LGBTQI rights, um, uh, that kind of thing. And but there is very little I, I, conversations, and in and, and in. And from a left perspective, a progressive perspective, you know, it would sort of be a little un, um, you know, be a little un, um, politically incorrect a little bit to have a gathering just for men, right? Because that would feel a little <laughs> like, oh, that's right. like two promise keepers or whatever, <laughs> right, but right. never promise keepers. Uh, but uh, that's for our evangelical friends. Let's take a short break. Hey listeners, you may not know this, but Ryan Clark has a consulting company. It's called Next Good. And this is how he helps individuals and organizations rewrite their futures by becoming actors in their own comedy. 
You'll learn how to collaborate, experiment, and play with your fellow cast members as you all move forward in life toward your ultimate goals. Go to ournextgood.com for more information. Excellent. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. We don't, there's not a space for men in the church to yeah. the fostering of an open conversation and dialogue and growth around um, non-toxic masculinity, which by not doing that, we sort of perpetuate toxic, I think, can. There's a potential yeah. for perpetuating toxic masculinity. And I, and I wanted to say something for people who are, you know, might hear from an Eastern mindset for the first time. When Thomas talks about, you know, refining our desire and following, you know, the right desire will put us on the right path. You know, that might rub against us, but in part, not because that's not biblical, so to speak, but it's not part of the Christian tradition. And that's because of St. Augustine or Augustine of Hippo. Like, so in the 400s, he develops in his confessions and other writings, he develops the uh, doctrine of original sin. And that is where we get our Christian suspicion of the kinds of things that Thomas is talking about. Because mm -hmm. in that doctrine of original sin, men trans sexually transmit original sin to their children, to our children, in that way of thinking. And, uh, and so combined with sexual desire is the transmission of the, our sinful nature to our offspring. And that is, that's codified by the Roman Catholic Church and the Council of Trent in the 1500s. So, like, we think about, like, why we, why, like we, have, why we have a gut reaction to, like, distrusting our own desires. It's not because of something that the Bible says or that Jesus ever taught. It's because of church dogma that yes. we have ingrained ourselves in a particular way of thinking and reading the Bible and understanding the philosophy of theology that puts us in a way of thinking that says, I cannot be trusted. My thoughts and feelings cannot be trusted. If it, my desires cannot be trusted, I must run away from them and... Um, and try to, by some work of our own imagination, I think, fill that gap with thoughts of God, which are really coming from our own brain. I mean, right. there might be something coming from God, but it is being interpreted by our own brain. So it's this really convoluted way of, of trying to avoid the fact that there's some good things that can come from us. And, you know, there's a way of, of getting down to um, a, a, a path of wholesome loving desire, sexual energy and desire for other people in our life that's not going to cause us to burst into flames. Okay, I'm going to jump off. Uh, okay, I'm just stepping away from the pulpit for a second. Woo! Okay, Dave, if you're dying to jump in there with a comment, I don't want to interrupt you, but I Woo! do. All right, so let me blow all kinds of holes in this theory that our sexual energies are a part of uh, the doctrine of original sin and anything that comes out of my body or the feelings that I have are all part of sin. Because we have to remember that when you look at Genesis 2, sexuality was a gift from God before the fall of man ever entered the picture. There is nothing sinful about sexuality. There's nothing sinful about the command that God gave us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And he wired our bodies to enjoy it every time we did it, whether it produced babies or not. Mm. So this whole notion of sex is so simple. Well, if you're going to look at everything through that lens, then 
we may as well just give up. Just, but the idea of we just have to repress it all. We have to repress all the sexual energy because it's simple. Well, how's that working for us? I mean, we're we're a very sex saturated society and not in a good way. And so, how has all this repression really been working for us? I think that the more we repress in a you know, religiosity type of manner, the more prone we are to expressing it in some really unhealthy ways. That what we need to be teaching people how to do is how to have great sex within the proper context. And that's with your mate. That's with your spouse. That's in, that's in the marriage relationship. I think that the reason that people wind up having those affairs and looking at porn and cheating is because they aren't having great sex in the marriage relationship. If they were having great sex, why would they need to look anywhere else? So now I feel my blood boiling. <laughs> yes, go. Keep going. Keep going. It makes me angry. It makes me angry that people use sex as a way to paint God as this really legalistic, authoritarian, I'm going to strike you down if you get horny mm. type of a God. That is not who he is. We can be holy and horny at the same time. This is his mm. natural pattern. This is how he created us. Why are we trying to teach people that it's wrong and dirty and bad and sinful and shameful and not acceptable? How can we be any other way than how we were created? We can't not be sexual beings. We mm. can choose when we be when we, we, we can choose when we be sexual. Mm -hmm. We can choose when we're sexual and with whom and in what context. But by our nature, we are sexual beings from cradle to grave, and there is no switch that we can turn to turn that there's no switch that we can flip to turn that off. And we have to stop making Christians feel as if, well, you're just not flipping the right switch. BS. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no certain switch. I think that just turning them on to what's possible is the, is the best strategy toward helping them be sexually responsible human beings. Mm. Woo! Mm. Woo! The fire is here tonight, y'all. The fire is here tonight. Holy fire, holy spirituality, holy sexuality. It's right here. Mm. You're right, Nate. The body is holy. It's right here. Mm. And the brain is holy and the heart is holy. And yes, the penis is holy and the vagina is holy and the G-spot is holy and the clitoris is holy and the orgasm is holy and all of it is holy. Yes, it is yes, amen. Amen. God didn't stand up and say asexual bodies and then Satan slept on the genitals at the last second. It's not how it works. <laughs> God created the genitals to feel and to function the way that they do. Okay, so I have to say, I was not planning on sharing this, but it's like the perfect time, so I'm not going to miss the opportunity. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Y'all see what I'm holding? What are you holding? Is that a penis pencil? That's a, a wooden dildo. This, this, what is this is it is a penis pen. Oh, I was, I was doing a workshop in Chattanooga and one of the husbands brought his wife and the kids. And so she would be in our workshop all day and then um, he would pick her up at night. And so he took the kids to like Rock City or one of these places in Chattanooga. And um, he bought this log pen and used a pocket knife to whittle it down to look like a penis. And he gave me this short note with it. He had it all wrapped up. He gave it to me as a present on the last day. He said, this pen is for Shannon. This penis is like, or I'm sorry, this pen is, pen is look like penis together. The, the, this pen is like a penis because Shannon helped me know that it is okay for me to 100% love. This penis is a representation of that. And also my wife can 100% love it. 
She learned that this week, and I am confident in my penis and in its abilities. I am very good with it. I love you, Shannon. Yes! Very <laughs> <laughs> good with it! Yes! <laughs> It took about six months of coaching with this couple for him Ooh. to get to that place where he owned his penis, he loves his penis, he celebrates his penis, and he has a pre-teen son. And I just think, yeah. what a great view of sexuality his son is going to grow up with now that he has discovered this about himself. And I have to also tell you another funny story. I pulled this out of my briefcase the other day. I travel with it just because I, I just love it. It's a token reminder, you know. I love mm -hmm. what I do. I pull it out and I'm trying to write a check with it and it starts skipping out. And so I asked my cousin, do you have another pen? And he said, um, <laughs> what do you got there? And I told him the story behind it about how it's a penis pen. And he said, Oh, well just wait 15 minutes and it'll be good to write again. It just needs a refractor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was amazing. Yeah. That's funny. That's stuff. the episode. Holy fire. That's it. That's Nate, it. Nate, seriously, thank you for sharing your journey with us. I feel as if we all have ringside seats to this journey that you have been on to heal from uh, mindsets of your past, to heal from a very broken relationship that did not fulfill you and to find fulfillment in healthy ways and to just embrace your own masculinity and sexuality. And I hope that every man listening catches the vision of what's possible when you don't shy away from these hard conversations with other men because of the example that you have set for us. So kudos wow. to you, my friend. Wow. Thank you. You bet. You bet. You bet. I know that there's a lot of women out there who probably wish that their husbands could have conversations like this with you and other healthy men. I'll, I'll just say that this is the dream come true. The dream come true is I'm going to give you a clear picture. All right. There was this time I was watching porn and I didn't know what was going on. But when I was watching it, I was just kind of like, why am I just why, why do I have to resort to this to get the closest glimpse of something that should be holy? And and it was just working with these broken pieces that you know sometimes we just have to believe that there's more there right and and it's looking into the shame of each of these broken pieces that have taken certain steps and was hoping that holy fire would show up and for me i've just had this instinction that it was going to be a woman and to hear you preach in your untamed nature and for us to hold space like if all we did here if all i did here was create a container to hold space for the untamed feminine, this to me is the revival that we've been needing as Christians. This is the holy fire. This is being ravished by the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? So thank you so much for just showing up because we've been waiting for you. And here she is. So we are hearing holy fire from the purest form, from the, un, un, from, from the feminine nature of God that we're learning to understand through the people who are on this earth. So, well, and if masculinity and femininity really stopped blaming each other and fighting against each other and just started really celebrating and in a, respecting one another, just think of how much healthier of relationships we could all have. So I hope that what we are modeling here is sexually and spiritually and emotionally and relationally and all that really does inspire a lot of people. And Nate, I also have to say the fact that 
your journey out of Christianity and into some of these Eastern religions and then bringing you right back around to Christianity. That is fascinating. That is so fascinating to understand that, hey, it, it's like the Alpha and Omega. It's the beginning and the end. It's where you started and it's where you're ending up. And that is such a great testimony to the power of Christianity. But sometimes you do have to learn more about other things to recognize just how valuable sexuality and spirituality can be when you couple them together hand in hand. I, I, yeah, I really applaud your courage in admitting that that's what you had to do to discover what you've discovered about healthy sexuality and spirituality working. <laughs> this is a great episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you, everyone. Ryan, obviously, this is like a Academy Awards thank you speech now. <laughs> I, I'm here because Ryan's here. He's been the masculine container that I had, I needed, I needed to learn from something that I didn't have in my life. And, um, he's been an anchor. I want, I felt like there was a complete lack of open conversation around sex and faith and, um, and that in a weird way, men were not being vulnerable and modeling it's like, you know, every guy has a podcast, but there wasn't one kind of like quite like this. And so I thought there, there needed to be one. And Nate, Nate and I have been working on a documentary and we kept stumbling onto some great content and stories and things that we thought other people needed to hear. And so it's just like putting one, one foot in front of the other. And this is where we found ourselves. Well, I was um, questioned by one of the um, recent uh, churches where I spoke of why are you doing that podcast? I think that they had that they had cherry picked one episode and didn't understand the whole context. And I explained that what Nate and Ryan are doing are, is so needed in the body of Christ, and it is especially so needed in the conservative. Uh, groups because I have just seen for decades so much guilt and shame around so many sexual things and I said I felt as if my lending my conservative voice would hopefully bring the conservative following because I think that God is ushering in a whole new era of healing so much of the shame that's been a part of sexuality for a really long time and their response was wow I'm going to share that with our lead team so that they will know why you're doing this podcast and so, yeah, don't just cherry pick an episode or two and formulate judgments around what you think we're doing. Start from the beginning and listen to every single episode. Binge listen from, from day one and hold out formulating an opinion until after you've heard all of the episodes. But like everything in life, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Oh, yes, I love this podcast. I hope you do too. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And at our website, touchpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your emails to info at touchpodcast.com. This is Ryan Clark. I'm Nathan Navarro. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we do love you for listening. Whoa! That was the Holy Spirit episode, Shannon! Whoa! She preached it! Woo! Oh! Ryan, you preached it too! Ryan preached it too! Oh man, you both preached it!